0: Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I'm your host, Dave Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. On today's episode, We're gonna talk quite a bit about the methods, maybe a little about technology or name drop a few technologies in the mix, but we wanna talk about the methods. And the particular method that we wanna talk about today is around lead attribution models and opportunity attribution, revenue attribution. And before I bring on my guest, Mr. Ben Brock, Uh, For those of you who have a copy of this book, maybe you have the white version or this is the blue version, which is the second edition. I'm going to do a little book reading for you guys. And uh, it's only a sentence or two, but it is the lead into today's episode. So this is the book that I wrote, Manufacturing Demand. And chapter five is about lead scoring. And on page 57, and by the way, I'll drop a link to the book in the uh, show notes below. So grab a copy if you don't have it but I described the different types of lead scoring models. And one of the models that I describe is predictive. And when the book was published in 2012, I wrote these systems essentially look at historical close one data, lead data, and external data signals to provide predictive intelligence for both identifying target prospects and determining their likelihood to purchase. And I go on to talk about how new these technologies are back in 2012, we're now 10 years later, and that they were really an emerging science. Well, we now fast forward 10 years, and even though I think the book is incredibly relevant for all of you in marketing and demand generation, what I didn't get to talk about in the book at that time was the secret sauce and how we're doing this. So without further ado, let me bring on today's guest, Mr. Ben Brock. Ben, good to see you. You too, Dave, happy to be here. Well, if you look at both of our titles, if you guys are on the YouTube channel or read in the description, we are both principals at BDO Digital. But Ben has a very, very important role. He leads a practice area where Ben, I'll let you describe the the group broadly, but this is the group where that secret sauce is created and invented. And, And a little factoid for you guys, some of the more modern marketing technologies that are out there in the world, it has been Ben's team to develop the attribution models within those software programs. So no one better than him and his group to be talking about this topic today. But ben, why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about these days, some of the the broad set of services that you guys are doing out of, out of your group?
1: Well, first of all, I think it was very uh, forward thinking of you to uh, be calling out how the predictive models would be working. Um, and it's funny to me that, you know, despite us Having mechanisms in place for validating, you know, the data and and building models and, and then producing the forward-thinking models, it's it's still not trivial work, right? It's you know, the models are only as smart as you make them. Um and and it's it's still a fun space. I think marketing um is is in particular is an area that I really respect, um, specifically the Martech part of the job. Um, I think you know, any any uninformed person that's ever tried to sell something will tell you that, you know. I, I don't. I don't care how how you do it. Just sell sell me uh, sell sell my product or get me a customer, um, and and that's kind of the magic of it all that I really respect. Um, yeah. It's the heavy lifting from the technical part of the job, and so we've you know I, I've had the the um, good fortune to be a part of a number of data analytics and, and and application development projects and oversee a lot of that stuff and see how the technology's evolve. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to disclose to you the truth uh, 10 years ago on how things were were being done. And, you know, Ben, we would sit down with clients who needed a lead scoring you know, system put in place. Most people at that time, and still too often today, are getting a marketing automation system and using it for batch and blast email marketing. They're not using it for some of the real powerful capabilities that it has, like lead scoring. And so when we developed our lead scoring uh, consultation approaches with clients, candidly, it was very educated guesswork. We had built so many lead scoring models that we knew things like, we would determine things like implicit behavior, showing um, their level of engagement. And we found by looking at tons of website logs and looking at Close One Business that if someone had visited the site more than two times, There was a higher correlation to them entering at least an opportunity stage, showing a stronger interest to buy. It wasn't have they visited the website one time or have they visited the website in the last 30 days, which lots of lead scoring models look at. It was more than two times. And with those visits being in a certain period of time and certain depth, what we call high value content. So I felt like we got really good at developing lead scoring models that sales felt Way better about, but nowhere taking the really scientific approach uh, that you are doing. And and as you know, we we're launching a new service right now within Video Digital called Genesis. And we are right now having some real fun internally because we're using the Genesis platform to predict the outcomes of the NCAA championship. So we're we're getting a little inside information here. We're playing true true yeah. money ball. Yeah. So we've got like the best tools and technologies that we're helping our clients with, but I would love to hear, you know, your, your perspective on the evolution and really how you guys go about helping, whether it's these Martech tech tools that we built for, or even our clients build real, real attribution systems based on, uh, not educated guesswork.
1: Well, you know, I smile because, you know, back, that's how I started my career was making really cool websites, right? All we cared about was flash. Yeah. Everybody wanted to do Mac media flash. I was a tech editor for a flash book back in the, early 2000s, nice. and I thought it was fantastic. I mean, we, we, we would all model after our favorite Flash designer. And, you know, at the time, we, we wanted people to come to the sites. I, I would spend hours scouring my AW stats logs just to see where my visitors were coming from and would really enjoy seeing that they were coming from all over the world or that my visits were increasing or whatnot, right? But, you know, that's the only data we really had. And, and, and as much as I'd like to tell you we have it all figured out these days, the technology is evolving and people I, I find even, you know, in this space that know the business and even tech really well, generally you can't be good in everything. You can't be deep tech in everything. So it, it is a bit of guesswork around, okay, I'm going to tackle Instagram now. All right. Well, that's a whole new platform I have to learn in terms of how to market and use that and, and, and interpret that data, etc. so So um, what, what, what we have now is that even this, this digital experience has evolved so much and has gotten so much more complicated because of the vast amounts of data, the opportunity we generally have where we can help is not necessarily when I and I'm speaking not for demand gen specifically that does have expertise in the actual marketing products, but more from a data analytics or custom app perspective. You know, how do we correlate all that data mm-hmm. and track the different experiences so that you can tie it back to one customer? But what gets complicated is that they're not following a specific path. We might have a marketing campaign that we put out there and we want them to, you know, follow this path and hit a landing page. But what happens when they abandon that form and pick up the phone and, and and call someone. Maybe they call a number that you didn't expect them to call. And then maybe they walk away for a month or two months and then so now your attribution gets even more complicated. You have even more data to track. And if you think about the attribution as it rolls to somebody that's maybe getting incented or paid for that sale, mm-hmm. that's now becomes an emotional decision that we're making that yeah. some, that's affecting someone's paycheck at the end of the day. So um, it, it's, it's helping make sense of all that data and, and, and helping give the, the marketers more of a uh you know, can draw, can draw some conclusions around things. So I've always been kind of a fan of also kind of activity tracking and how do you, how do you, have some insights into that and, and even giving people some some views into what happened over time right so as much as you know we have all of this data and we build data warehouses to to ingest millions of data points and records right that there is an experience that you have to tie to that that makes that all very
0: consumable yeah let's let's talk about actually podcast and podcast stats and kind of use this as a reference point I like the website one and I was going to go there by the way do you remember web trends? I think they're still around, but that was the very first web analytics platform that I ever saw in the 90s. And I was uh, enamored with being able to watch the click streams of where people went and how they came up with the UI to show where someone goes from the homepage to the services page down to a product area and how they fall off. And it was taught so much about website design by, by, by doing that. We still, to this day, uh, if you go to, you know, the, the my old company's website, demandgen.com, all right, which we're now building the BDO Digital website, which, you know, we'll maybe we'll talk a little bit about, but we're now building our own website for BDO Digital, and my group has always had a site. We code the contact us links in the header, in the middle of the page, and the footer And then in other areas, too, because when we get a contact us form submission, we want to know where that actually came from. And I can tell you that, you know, the header pulls way better than the footer. Maybe that's no surprise because you're looking at that part more on the screen than scrolling down. But there was a big debate about whether you would people would scroll to the bottom to go find contact us. And we said, well, yeah, they may do that. And it's kind of like the story of like. The kid on a ship, and he, a kid goes up with this guy, and he's, he's clacking these sticks together. And the, and the kid goes, what are you doing with that? And he goes, oh, it keeps the elephants off the cruise ship. He's like, there's no elephants on a cruise ship. He goes, yeah, it works. And it's like, you know, you create these self-fulfilling things. It's like, yeah, the reason that people scroll to the bottom of the page, because that's the only place that it is. But I bet if you put it in the top and make it more accessible, more people will use it. and that And that turned out to be true.
1: Well, not only that, you know, as you're telling that story, I, I reflect on just yesterday, I was, um, I was signing up for a new app and I saw I had the the name and, and then the, a button that says log in and right to the left of it was a sign up. I'm like, all right, so I'm going to put my username and password in here and I'm going to click sign up. And I'm expecting it to sign me up, but instead, mm-hmm. it cleared the form and had me enter everything again. Oh, so now I have a frustrating user experience. Yep. Same same experience I have is when I call Comcast, and then they go and ask me for all of the information I just typed into the phone. Right? right. So I think we, as you know, people that develop these, really have to challenge ourselves to make it easy, right? Especially as these new mediums are out that people aren't going to do it the same ways. So they're going to expect it that you know who they are. My, mm-hmm. my son yeah. said dad, don't get on TikTok. TikTok is invasive and it gets into your phone. And I know how you think about security. He knows (laughs) I would hate that, but he doesn't care that everyone knows everything about him already. So, you know, maybe we should be thinking about, you know, there are, there is a different mentality around tracking. Not everyone shares it. I, I, I don't love that I'm being tracked everywhere, but some people certainly don't care. So if there's data to be collected, I think there's always a good
0: opportunity to yeah. kind of
1: revisit the UX and how we've done things in the past.
0: I I'm one of those people for the mer- most part, I don't care because I want everything to be way more personalized. I'm a chronic YouTube watcher. I watch a lot of YouTube for education, some for entertainment and I only want to see the stuff that I'm actually interested in. Like I wish kind of like Netflix does filter out a little bit or make sure. suggestions, but boy, if a system could just show me just what I want, if I could walk up to a, a vending machine and I only saw the products that I was interested, why not? You know, maybe one day yeah. when they have the screens. all right, so let's, let's take a scenario. I'm going to pretend that either I'm a client or I'm coming to you with, uh, a scenario, um, the podcast. So let me give you a few dimensions that I think happen. And the objective is, let's say I wanted to figure out which podcasts, how, wh- what should I do to create better performing podcasts? And there's a story, I don't know if it's true or if it's kind of like, you know, content mythology, but I heard that the um, House of Cards uh, that Kevin Spacey was in uh, for Netflix, that that was created and invented based on metadata of what people wanted to watch. I've heard this story. I'll I'll probably should look it up to really understand that who's in it, what the content is about, even aspects of how it was filmed, metadata was used for... For doing that and if so that's it's a cool that's very cool if not it's just a cool story but let's say I want my podcast to perform better some of the dimensions that I think a machine should look at is how long is the episode who is on the episode maybe by title what is the title of the episode and I am finding that how to blah 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 are episodes that seem to pull better than episodes that don't have a how-to description in it no doubt. Um, So the episodes that are maybe uh, mic quality, you know, could we put a factor in there that says what was the audio quality of the content? But am I thinking about it right that you want to build, you know, rows and columns of data of attributes that you could run through a system that will help the system say... If we're, look, if we're predicting NCAA, you know, we're getting the feed from the sports networks, and we're running that through um, the algorithms, and it's saying, well, this is the team that's most likely going to win, and I think it's 72% accurate, according to Kirstie, what she's been saying. So how do you approach—forget lead scoring, but how would you approach something like this if the objective was, hey, I want to produce episodes that have, you know, uh, greater satisfaction or, or greater listening— how do, you, how do you approach a project like that? Or is it Dave? You don't actually guess at all that stuff. And no, just I love it. Give tons I actually have,
1: um, you know, and this is, if the data analytics practice lead were here right now, um, he or she would say that, uh, well, we don't do it that way anymore, but right. I'll tell you how, I'll, I'll tell you how we did it in the old fashioned way, right? Where, where you can't rely 100% on a robot, right? And I, I continue to believe that despite some of the technology will get us there faster. But to me, it's always about. the the, the quality of data and the volume of data. So the process is usually what hypotheses do you have about your data first? So for example, you believe that how-to videos are more popular and will be downloaded more than others. So we can actually build a model that can validate or invalidate that against historical data, right? Um, But before we go do that, um, the next thing we want to do is develop what we call sharp questions. Sharp question is basically answered with a name or a number. It's not a how do I increase sales. So that number or name could be answered through a model, right? And so that's what we're effectively testing our model against this is where the data analytics person would go off and build something and i didn't really know what they would do they're were, they were actually identifying features in the data and the features are essentially the same things that you're calling attributes on your podcast right okay. so um once we've validated that the model works against historical data we can then apply it to current data so as your new podcast data comes in we're, we're testing the model and say, we think that this is going to generate X number of downloads based on what the prior model produced. And then we can validate or invalidate that. And then we can tweak the model accordingly. Right. Yeah. Um, the the how to is a good one. We had, um, a, a big driver of our, um, our website, say, 10 years ago was we found top five ways to do X or how do we do X technically because we know our audience is technical. We, we know that they care more about the how than the kind of the arm-waving strategic thought leadership stuff. So that's not to be said for all of our, uh, all of our um, viewers and, and readers, but that, that was certainly a, 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 a hypothesis that we had about our own content as well. Yeah we we are approached from a number of different industries on on predictive models but one of my favorite ones was for a hospital um where we had two use cases one was about nurse utilization on on the floor you know they have they have a challenge of determining how many people should i have um in in the emergency room in and around the holidays versus a standard tuesday and the other one was uh about uh, uh, surgeries, spinal cord infection surgeries, and I won't go into the details. But we were we were talking to a plastic surgeon, and he, he told me when we walked in that he really didn't need us anymore because he he solved the problem. I'm like, oh, that's that's fantastic. How, you know, how did you solve the spinal? infection problem. And he said, well, I just do all of the surgeries now because I'm a plastic surgeon and I do it better. And I said, well, let's, let's, let's dig into that a little bit more. And then tell me about how you, what's different about how you do surgeries versus your, your peers. And he went into the the intricacies of how he stitched and talked about a lot of things that are kind of gory in nature, like, um, Uh, you know, how, how, how much fat content the person had on them. If they're too thin, there's not enough moisture around the wound, or if there's too much excess fat, they would blanket it in a saline towel. Um, And so it was interesting to hear, you know, the things that he was trying to prevent infection. And, And I asked him like, do you, do you write those things down? Do you capture that when those things happen? Um, and, and he said, no. And I'm like, okay, so that means we don't have the data or the features to build a model on. Right. And, and I said, well, and, and how many surgeries happen a year on average? And he said, eh, 10 or 12. I'm like, okay, I agree. We can't help you here. Yeah, <laughs> so th- there's a, there is a, there is a level of data availability that has to be had to even validate these things can you know be tested. So, mm-hmm. you know, you may have 200 podcasts out there, but do you have all of the attributes you want to track? Um, that could help validate or invalidate those those hypotheses that you have?
0: Well, probably no, because I only have what I have in the analytics tools, and, and they're showing me trend charts, but there's literally no insights into the platform that we use that says you should do the following. It's like right. there's this black magic knowledge that social media experts develop over time, and then share with the rest of the world about what works or what doesn't i can't wait to the software where they don't suggest. Or they, or you know, it they hit, don't hit, they don't
1: share it right because <laughs> it's and then that's that's the opportunity for us really yeah. right is is help helping it actually become a real tool or something that can be used yeah that the, so in in this particular circumstance where you don't have the data we could go capture it and, and you know you could capture that those attributes and you could still build a model on it it would be some heavy lifting you know to actually get to that point but yeah. that's the data that you need to to actually make something you know that, that's usable over time and um you know, all the custom applications that can come with that, that sit on top of your data analytics. So I was talking about activity tracking or, you know, when when people ask you to build dashboards or showing trends, well, okay, what are you going to, what do you want people to do with that, that, Mm -hmm. that data, right? I mean, that's, that's, nine times out of ten when we approach a data analytics project they the, the end users say just give me a spreadsheet and I, and i said okay okay i I'll, I'll give you the spreadsheet i'll give you your data i'll give you the aggregated data of what will be useful to you but when you're looking at that spreadsheet what are you looking at and then they'll say well i'm looking at when that number goes above this threshold and i say okay well when that happens what do you what do you want to happen next or what do you what activity do you want to drive so that's that's kind of the the art of the d- dashboard design, but those are the types of conversations that we have around. Certainly we can go build stuff. We can build business rules, to aggregate things, et cetera. But at the end of the day, what what is your intended outcome? You know, when you talk about ingesting data from multiple sources of various you know, channels within marketing, um, how are marketers going to know which one's working, right? Yeah. It, and, and it's not just about conversions, probably. You have to consider the costs that went into that
0: conversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: um there's a lot of that kind of stuff that uh is not uh the same solution for every
0: customer right so and I'm sure this is you live and breathe this every day um yeah, I mean what's unfortunate still for marketing as advanced as we are, we've got a lot of different Martech tools that aren't all stitched together very easily, so there's a lot of a lot of work to be done It's one of the reasons my group is so busy these days and for several years is we got to stitch together the the Marketo or the HubSpot and the Pardot and the CRM and the ERP systems and, you know, the web site, as well as the other marketing tools and collect all this. And they each have their reports and dashboards, but it, it's not easy for marketing. And I'm not trying to get out the violin. I, I, you know, the challenges of of the job. What I'd like to see, and I'm excited because of where we are from a technology standpoint, is the tool sets that will eventually let marketing know If you take this much money, if this is your budget and you're trying to drive this much revenue, these are the places and how to invest those dollars to produce the greatest outcomes. You know, that's, that's the Holy grail. We can get to that. I'd love to see the same thing from a sales perspective. I think sales leadership would love to know that they could take data and put it in around their sales team performance number of calls, number of touches, or who the salesperson is, or geographies, industries, all those, would you call them smart questions or attributes? Do you ask the smart questions to get to the attributes? Did I get that right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're kind of, they're one and the same to okay. some degree. So you need the attributes to ask the smart questions. So what, what sales attributes could be out there that a sales leader could say, I need more sales reps, or I need more sales reps like this person, or I ready to move into a new geography or that geography stinks and we should we should get out of it or that vertical right the yeah. more that we can use ai and machines to help us make informed business decisions for our dollars the better and and we're getting there but most most of the engagements with your clients are you working on systems systemic systems or tools that are out there or are you doing more ad hoc projects for clients that are trying to get insights around Certain business problems, which seems to be the more common use case these days.
1: Yeah, I would say more of the latter, right? I mean, now I've got there are the enterprise business applications team certainly works within the context of applications, right? But when we're talking about marketing and data data analytics, customers in general, they have their their there's segment specific industry specific systems and we're brought in to help make sense of it. So when we're talking about a predictive project like like you are let's say, let's, let's 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 pursue this sales idea for a second like yeah. if we want to target our sales more. Um it's often easiest to start that conversation around the hypotheses. you know, where do you think you're getting the the, the most sales, what region, what service offering, and, and then, and then you can kind of back into, all right, if you're going to ask a smart question to build a model, do you have the data to support that? Right. Can, can we go back and historically figure out whether, what the, whether those hypotheses are true or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And so often, as much as we might be brought in to build that predictive model it might result in more of a data data warehouse project first right so we have some data in CRM we have some one project say in peoplesoft now now if we are we actually pulling that data together to do the analysis you're talking about same goes with your podcast if you wanted to expand that to everything else that you've, you've done to market demand gen or demand gen radio over the years, right? You probably have the data in disparate systems, but again, how do you, how do you bring it all together and and associate it so that, that you can actually build reports and models off of it?
0: And let, let's say I had tons of columns and lots of rows of data. Let's say we were able to just get to that place where you've got what you need. How does the system or the process and system come up with the insight that you're looking for like one one could be is maybe i've had a podcast or a gen uh, tv where on the youtube channel where i've had two different looks and feels or backgrounds and the answer i want to know is which theme appeals more to my audience how do the systems know which question i'm asking how do you build a, the use case to come up with the answers for that if it's the same data set Well, how
1: would you measure the success of one of those or the other?
0: Is that a sharp question? Uh, I, I would no, that was not a sharp (laughs) question, (laughs)
1: but but the point is, is, you know, do you have maybe a sharp question would be, uh, what is the data attribute or KPI that, that you use to score one over the
0: other? Got it. So let's say I'm looking for, um, which theme. Uh, is more appealing to the audience, and I've got, let's say, enough data in episodes, and I'm, and I'm, I'm probably making a determination by the number of plays or number of watches um, there. I mean, you, one could say con, you know, uh, comments or likes or whatever, but let's just say it was viewership. But uh, the question I'm really asking is, so that could be an outcome or a decision that you're looking to determine. But if it's the same data set, what if I wanted to know what's the right length for the ideal? podcast, different question, right? So how, how do you use the same tools and systems to come up with different insights or outcomes?
1: The length one would be a little trickier, right? Because you you could argue that everything else would have to be the same, but the length. So you and I could stop this podcast right now, or we could talk for an hour and a half
0: longer and see if people are still with us,
1: (laughs) which I doubt, (laughs) but point depends how long their
0: commute is or what they're doing. By the way, right now, if you guys are listening and you're exercising right now, I want you to give it that extra push right now. Give it that extra push. We're uh, we're <laughs> tri- 20 or eight minutes so, so, you know, this is your final, it's your final stretch right now. Really get going. All right, back, back to our show. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I think it, it's, 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 it's a matter of, you know, finding that unique attribute that's different and, and something that we can validate or invalidate you know, coming back to that hypothesis issue, question. Right. So, and same thing with the, you know, the, the user experience of a landing page, for example, um, let's assume that you're driving traffic to the same podcast, but through two different user experiences, that's something we could validate or invalidate. Yeah. Right. And, Again, you're. you're it, it has a definitive answer at the end of the, the exploration, right? It's not, a, we're not trying to develop a strategy. We're trying to answer a question because if we can answer that question and get it right, then we're gonna ask it again in the model looking at forward-looking data.
0: Nice. Well, I feel very blessed that we have you guys as a whole services group within BDO Digital because as we stand up our website and develop our own scoring models and other attribution models, we have all that extra expertise. In house, where you're, where it will become a client of yours, Ben. I have, I have no yeah. doubt. Well, likewise,
1: I, you know, I'm very excited to have demand, Gen as part of Video Digital. This is, uh, you know, I always, I always wanted to do some kind of marketing as a service, and now, now we can actually Man talk about it, right? And today, <laughs>
0: with the day of recording right now, it's, it's March 16th, fifty three. It's literally one year since the anniversary of coming with Video, Video yes. Digital, fantastic. Yeah. Contest. I mean, the, the first six months were were crazy. Uh, just all the integration efforts and getting the teams integrated and the systems integrated. And uh, I've apologized to my podcast and DemandGen TV audience a few times over this past year with me getting uh, pulled away and some of those other things. But I, I really, you know, we've been ramping up and having a great uh, guest lineup and I appreciate you coming in. I want to encourage you guys, as I always do. Uh, you know, connect with Ben. Is it on LinkedIn? Is it Benjamin Brock or is it Ben? Because I know you use ben. Benjamin. So it's Ben. Okay. It. You type Ben Brock BDO, you We're gonna him. we're gonna sunset Benjamin then. Uh, connect with Ben. Uh, great. You know, if you guys are fascinated in this field as I am about predictive analytics and just the the potential of of machine learning and AI these days, Ben's a good guy to have in your your network. And look, we're working on some really cool uh, projects. Like I said, we're working behind the scenes with some of the leading MarTech companies to help you guys um, get these systems built into the application so that you don't have to do ad hoc projects of your own to figure this stuff out. The software uh, should help you, whether that's a CRM system or a marketing automation system. So Ben, thank you for you and all your team's hard work. Hey, one more thing.
1: Um, you know, I, I watch, my, my nine-year-old does nothing but watch YouTube. He doesn't watch regular TV. He yeah. watches YouTube all the time. Love and that kid. And, the, and they all say, you know what click click like click subscribe yeah do all that stuff for yeah. us yeah and i said david i want to i want to win the podcast contest so okay do all those things but you know if 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 you do in all seriousness have ideas for other content or idea you know topic areas i i'd, I'd love to continue the conversation because this is an area that, that i think a lot of people don't really understand in terms of when it gets really complicated and yeah. messy you know yeah. um that that i think it'd be fun to continue cool. the
0: conversation. well let's sure. do that ben, ben is uh very competitive he's a, by the way a phenomenal mm-hmm. fisherman so if any of you are in the chicago oak brook area you can't drink on the boat he's made that very clear <laughs> but you can fish on the boat and he's a phenomenal fisherman but let's let's give him some bragging rights so i think the official would be like hey don't forget to click on like and subscribe uh by clicking on that like button it will improve your life and you'll probably win the lottery they'll say stuff like that too ben which we know is not true <laughs> but it could happen to you it could happen to you no drop right. a comment drop a comment tell your friends about uh the channel and um kidding aside i hope you guys are enjoying me introducing you to some of the of my other team members like ben uh here at bdo digital i feel very blessed that it is our one year anniversary today and i feel very blessed that the team of people that we have come to join with um just some incredible talent great people from a humanity perspective, but also just just great intellect and great expertise. So our clients are benefiting and and certainly my team is benefiting. So uh, Ben, thank you for joining on the program. And to the rest of you, thanks for tuning into this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Don't forget to click on subscribe and like, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care.